Good morning. Good morning. We send greetings from Mission House in Salisbury, uh, North Carolina. Amen. We are uh, just excited. Me and my wife, Tony, she ventured with me up here uh, to hang out with old friends and to be with y'all. And uh, we're just excited. You know, the thing is, when you come into the house of the Lord, no matter where you are on the planet, I really believe that when you are with brothers and sisters, that you are with family. Amen. And so I just want to let you know up front that I am yours and you are mine. We are stuck with each other. Amen. Amen. And so uh, Dustin knows this well. Hannah knows this well. We are family. Amen. We are brought, to, brought together by the blood of Jesus. And so we're just excited this morning to share uh, on the word. And so I'm trying to think of something uh, cool to say uh, about uh, uh, our relationship with Dustin and Hannah. Uh, we go back some ways. Uh, we just had a great time, and, and we really missed them in Salisbury. So, you know, you know, sometimes, you know, I, had a, I felt some type of way, you know, when they came this way. I said, like, y'all done stole my brother and my sister. Amen. But we know that God has a plan. We know that God, they, they are a true blessing and a gift to the body of Christ. And so I know as a community, uh, you realize that they are a blessing to your church uh, and to this community. And so they have strong leadership gifts and abilities. And so we just thank God for them. And it says a lot about this church. Even when we walked in this morning, I was just thinking, man, it's such a, a welcoming place, a loving place. And so I just thank God for those who even greeted me and my wife this morning uh, with a handshake and a how you doing. And I just felt the love uh, when we walked in this morning. Y'all all right this morning? Amen. Amen. Let's get into the word real quick. I'm going to read from a passage uh, from the gospel of Mark. This is going to be Mark 9 through 15. Mark chapter 1, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 1, 9 through 15. Amen. God bless your word this morning. Father, bless your people. May your spirit be in this place. God, may you fill uh, our hearts today. May your word fall into our souls. May it bring forth kingdom fruit upwards to a hundredfold in our lives. Hear the word of the Lord, Mark 1, 9 through 15. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. At once, the spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals Angels attended to him. After John was put in prison, what a transition, huh? After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come. Repeat after me, I'm black preacher, so we got to do neighbor exercises in the church this morning. Amen. So a little Pentecostal may come out of me. Is that okay? All right, so repeat after me, the time has come. All right. He said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Say, repent and believe the good news. 
So as I was preparing my sermon to bring to you this morning, I was remembering the first time I met my wife. And my wife's already like, oh, Lord. My wife, Tony, here in the second row. Um, as, an old, as an old song music, old soul music classic uh, came to mind, as I was thinking about the first time I met my wife, some of you may, I may be dating myself here or maybe realizing how, how young I am, as, as a song written by Roberta Flack, the first time I ever saw your face. Y'all remember that? Okay, that's what's up. Okay. Specifically that verse in the song where she says, the first time I ever saw your face, I thought the sun rose in your eyes. And I remember the first time I met my wife, and at the time it was a strange occasion because it's not the ideal situation that you would meet somebody that you would think would become your mate and your spouse. And so at the time she was in a wheelchair, first time I met her. And so I just remember uh, meeting her. I was, with, I was with a singles ministry at the time, and I met her. She rolled into the living room in a wheelchair, and uh, she had torn her Achilles tendon, and so she was wheelchair-bound. And so I remember uh, seeing her, and the thing that caught my attention was her eyes. And when I saw her eyes, it looked like heaven because she has the most beautiful eyes. If you get a chance to talk to her today, just look at her eyes and look at your eyes. <laughs> so, man, don't be, feel weird when people stare in your eyes this morning. It was our eyes, y'all. Those beautiful brown eyes that captured my attention. It was like heaven had taken up residence deep within her eyes. I was captivated. It was also her walk with God and her natural beauty that captivated me. Have you ever been captivated by something beautiful before? In that moment, I was captivated by my wife's spiritual and physical beauty, but I also realized that I had stumbled upon a special moment. It was like I could feel the weather of my life changing, that I was being invited into a new chapter of my life. For some of you, it may have been your spouse, uh, the night sky, or a sunset, a neighbor helping a neighbor, etc. Some moment in church or in worship, a moment that you won't forget, but it changed your life. That special moment when you realize something out of the ordinary is happening. So in our text this morning, we have stumbled upon the beginning of Jesus' kingdom work. There's the prologue in the, in the chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the gospel about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in the, in the prophet Isaiah. And also there is the baptism in the water and him being baptized in the spirit. And there's also the spirit pushing him into temptation, into the wilderness. And after these serious of moments of transition, uh, Jesus begins to proclaim the good news. And ver- repeating verse 14 and 15, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming, the good news of God, the time has come. Say, the time has come. He said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The time has come. And so one of the things that we read, when we read this particular passage, and when it says the time has come, he's talking about uh, the time, a special moment, uh, an extraordinary moment within the ordinary. One of the things I love about worship, when we talk about worship in the presence of Jesus, one thing I always remind people is that in worship, we are reminded that um, 
every moment has something extraordinary about it. Mm. Possibility. Time. There are two main words in scripture for time. Kronos and Kairos. Many of you know Kronos really well. We live in America. We live in Western culture. We are slaves of the clock. Amen. Sometimes I rebel. Oftentimes I rebel. Kronos is sequential time. The passing of moments, seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, years, millennia. It's human invented time, clock time. Like today, many of us were warned. We, we, push, we spring forward an hour. And I was interesting uh, in our church because, you know, we run our social media. And, and it dawned on me, I was like, especially where we're at, you know, we're somewhere in a more urban area. And so I'm like, why am I posting? Why am I reminding everybody that we're forward and spring forward an hour? I said, it doesn't seem right because everybody has cell phones and all electronic, and it automatically updates. I said, I feel, look, I said, it might be a few folks in our community who have clocks still. Right, they have no electronic uh, equipment or anything. They gotta, you know, fast forward that clock an hour at two a.m. in the morning. And so I posted it anyway, just in case we have people with clocks. And so, you know, just a reminder that you know, uh, time, chronos time, chronological time is human invented time, clock time. Like this morning, uh, we started the service this morning at eleven a.m. This is Kronos time. And so I was joking with my wife. I said, you know, I said, I know I'm dealing with Dustin now because Dustin sent me the worship schedule ahead of time. He gave me the exact time that they're going to sing the song. And we're going to sing the song at 11.03 and 11.05. We're going to sing. We're going to have prayer. I was like, man, this is my brother right here, boy. I missed that. Because now we don't do that no more, man. We don't. We just show up and, you know, we just start worship maybe 11, 10.30, maybe. You know, we, we start at 1045 sometimes, depends on how many people show up. And so uh, we just thank God for that. And so time, chronos time is chronological time, is human time. But the word that Jesus says here, when he says time has come, the time has come, he does not say chronos. He says kairos in the Greek. And so then there is kairos time. Kairos is a passing instant when an opening appears which must be driven through with force if success is to be achieved. Kairos is the same word we use for, in the Greek, it's the word for weather. You know, when you wanted to engage in some activity and the weather has to be right, the kids want to go outside and play, but it's raining. The weather isn't right. Or as the Greeks would say, the time isn't right to play. But when the rain stops, the clouds part, the sun's rays cracks the sky, and it's time to play. That's Kairos. That's Kairos, the right moment, that opportune time. The weather is right spiritually. It is when a moment becomes pregnant with God's possibilities. The moment is full. The, the moment is open to the push with God. 
like Jesus in this passage. He's been pushed by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness and now is being pushed out to invite others into this movement called the kingdom of God. Jesus says the time has come. The time has come. Repent and believe the kingdom of God has come near. The weather is right, Jesus is saying. The weather is right. Uh, God is moving. You better seize this opportunity, this opportune moment, and join in what God is doing in this world, in this community, in this, in this neighborhood. What's the weather here at Dan River? Hmm. My God. What's the weather here in Dan River? What time is it in Eden, North Carolina? Hmm. What is God inviting you to? What is the opportunity that God has placed before you here in this season of the life of your community? Ask yourself a question to your neighbor. Turn to your neighbor and say, what's the weather at Dan River? <laughs> I try to get everybody to participate. See, in black church, you know, we, we do the neighbor exercise. Everybody got a, this is an opportunity for everybody to join in. So, so turn to your neighbor and say, what's the weather like at Dan River? That's what's up. Amen. <laughs> so, so back to our passage. So this is a powerful, this is a beautiful and powerful moment. As I reflect on this, a thought came to me. How do we notice these kinds of moments? Because one of the things I've learned in my walk with God is that you can experience a Kairos moment and miss it. You can experience a moment when the weather changes and God shows up and the opportunities before you and you miss it. I was like, God, the question, how do we notice these kinds of moments? How do God's people prepare to notice Kairos moments? Because I guarantee you, if you use your imagination, when Jesus is starting off his ministry, when the Spirit comes out those baptismal waters and the Spirit comes upon him and God sends him into uh, to his community, the Spirit upon him, I guarantee you, when he's saying the time is now, join the movement, I guarantee there were people like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Do you, Jesus. So how do we cultivate, how do we prepare to notice God's kairos moment, God time? Or as we say sometimes in church, God moments. You know what I'm talking about, those special moments where you know that something is different about what's happening. You know that God is somehow in the midst like, man, this got to be God. This ain't nothing but God in this particular moment. And so how do we become a people that are able to see and to perceive and to feel and to discern when God is moving and God is inviting us into an opportunity to glorify his name, to represent the gospel around us? What if seeing, hearing, discerning God moments is similar to discerning beauty? What if noticing God's weather is like noticing something beautiful? Discerning chaos time or a God moment is like seeing beauty. 
theologian and philosopher Thomas, Thomas Aquinas said of beauty that beauty is that when you see it, when you behold it, it is pleasing. In his famous book, Summa Theologica, Aquinas wrote that beauty consists of three elements, integrity, harmony, and clarity. So he said that which is beautiful, when you, he says, you know when you see a beautiful thing, it has integrity, it has clarity about it, and it has harmony about it. It's proportional. It looks beautiful. It, it looks pleasing to the senses. And so what he's saying there is, now in our culture when we say that, it's pleasing to the senses. But see, when Aquinas says this, he's saying that, that when you see it, when it pleases you. And so in that world, when he says pleases you, it's more deeper than just, oh, that looks really nice. When he said it pleases you, it means he says it elevates the soul. He says, when you're looking at something beautiful, it elevates you, it centers you. You begin to sense that God is somehow, some way in the midst of what it is. You may not be able to name it perfectly. You may not have words to describe it. All you know is God. I remember the first time I had a Kairos moment. Some of you have Kairos moments. You may have had a Kairos moment uh, this morning. But I remember the first Kairos moment that I can remember. And that's when I became a follower of Jesus, January 2nd, 1994. And at the time, um, I say that date because on January 1st, 1994, I was an atheist. And so I got invited to this small storefront Pentecostal church, and I was sitting in the back row near the exit, And I remember sitting there like, why am I here? These people are crazy. They're following fables and fairy tales. And and I remember sitting there, the preacher was up preaching from the gospel. He was preaching a story about Jesus, Jesus healing somebody. And I remember just sitting there thinking to myself. And it was like the light switch came on. And I remember just being blown away. I remember thinking to myself, the first thing I remember thinking when I reflect back on that, because anybody here ever been an atheist before? Oh, no, okay, well. I know it's hard to imagine being in the world without God, right? That's how it is. Like, it's like living in a world where there is no God. Like, you know, I remember being an atheist, I remember thinking, you know, the earth was a big rock going around a bigger ball of gas, by accident, like this is just one big accident. And so going into a church service in this particular church on that Sunday morning, January 2nd, 1994, I remember thinking to myself, the only reason why I went because, you know, you know, like a lot of people in our culture, you know, we take our kids to go to church so they just have good moral foundation and they be good, decent citizens when they leave church, when they get older. And so I'm thinking I'm, I'm just doing my duty. But I didn't realize I was going to have a Kairos moment. That's the thing about Kairos moments, they're unexpected. You can't really plan this because this is God time. That's the thing I learned about God. God, we have our own timetable. We have our own schedule, but God has God's own timetable. God has God's own schedule. And when God shows up, God ain't really cared about our expectations sometimes. 
God don't really care about our assumptions. And so I remember sitting in the back of this church near the exit, and I remember just sitting there, and all of a sudden, he's preaching the gospel. And I'm like, God? Yo, this is, this is for real. And I just remember the Holy Spirit just waking me up. I remember the Holy Spirit, you know, when, Pi, when Paul says, uh, awake, O sleeper, because Christ has shined upon you, right? It was like one of those moments, like, I felt the presence of Jesus in my heart. And I remember the thing about Kairos moments is this. I remember learning, and as, as I reflect back on that particular moment, one of the things I remember most about that moment is, is like I was completely in an utter good way devastated. I was like, man, this is real. They weren't lying. The Christians aren't so crazy after all. <laughs> Although Paul says, you know, he's a fool for Christ. Amen. Christians are fools in a good way. And so I just remember thinking, man, this is, this is crazy. So I was like, yo. And so one of these about my own journey is that I've had a, my heart, you know, I was like, I had one of them John Wesley moments, right, when my heart was strangely warm, right? So one of the things about my own spiritual journey was my head had to catch up with my heart, right? Some people, it's the other way. Like they believe in God, but their hearts are far from God. Right. You, you can have a heart kind of faith. Right, God can hit you in the heart. God can have a kairos moment where God touches you in the very core of your being, but your mind got to catch up. Or God might hit you in the head first and then get to your heart later. So that was a heart to hit kind of brother. So kairos moments, right? What's, what do I learn from this? And so what do we learn from our pastors about kairos moments here with Jesus? And so one of the things that, that's key, I believe, to learning to discern and to be able to see is to recognize beauty. And so a part of recognizing beauty is that something that is beautiful has integrity. And so what does that mean? That, that means that when you engage a kairos moment, one of the ways that you know that God is inviting you is because God is often inviting you to become more of a person of integrity. And by integrity, what I mean is God then showed up, and you know it's God, but where your life is don't match the Jesus that's in you. Something beautiful has integrity about it. So what matches, so what happens is the Kairos moment that God is calling you to. And sometimes, you know, one of the things I'm learning, though, is that Kairos moments aren't always uh, positive moments. They're not always feel-good moments. Sometimes there could be low moments. Sometimes God can be in the darkness. Sometimes God can be in the low place. Remember what, what David, the psalmist said, he says, though, he said, though God, he said, if I made my bed in Hades, he says, you are there with me. Mm. So God, Kairos moments can be in different places. They can be in a low place or it can be in a high place. It can be in the ordinary. It's, it, it doesn't, it, we can't really plan this out. All we know is, is to be prepared for it when it happens. It's like the story that we've, some of you may have heard before. It's a story of the, 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 the master disciple, the teacher, and he had a young disciple. And so he was like, he's like, master, can you teach me 
how to pray uh, for the sun to come up. He's like, what? Can you teach me how to pray, uh, pray the sun up? Oh, you want me to teach you how to pray to make the sun come up, the sunrise? It's like, yeah. He's like, all right, here's what you do. All right. Every morning I want you to go out to the cliff overlooking the land. And as you begin to feel the sunrise, I want you to pray. And so he's like, okay, that's it? He's like, yeah, that's all I want you to do. And so he would go out to the cliff every morning, bright early in the, in the morning before the sun even came up. He would fall asleep. And he was like, and he, when he wake up, the sun was already appearing. He's like, oh, man. So he ran back to his teacher, and he was like, he says, teacher, teacher, um, the sun was already up. I fell asleep, you know, and uh, the sun was up when I woke up. And, you know, I don't know if this is really going to work. You taught me all this stuff. And he said, well, let's go back again. So the next day he went back, and he sat on a cliff. And as he's waiting for the sun to come up, to pray it up, he's thinking he's praying it up. And so he falls asleep. And he wakes back up again. The sun is appeared. So he runs back to his master and his, his master teacher, his disciple, and he says, teacher, teacher, you know, the sun was already up again. You know, all this stuff you done taught me to pray, to fast, to read my Bible, to go to church, do all these different things. This stuff ain't working, man. He's like, when I pray or I go to sleep, I ain't even got time to pray for the sun to come up. The sun's already there, so what's the point in doing all that? And he told him this. You can't pray the sun up. But what you can do is be awake when it does come up. When the sun does rise, just make sure you're awoke. That's how it is with Kairos moments. We can't make God do anything. Amen? We can't even make the Holy Spirit do anything. Jesus taught us this. He told Nicodemus, who was a teacher in Israel, a rabbi, and he's, Jesus is like, man, the spirit's like the wild wind, right? So one of the things about uh, preparing for a Kairos moment is to first recognize that God is wild. <laughs> Amen. God can be domesticated. Ask Pharaoh. Amen. Ask the Babylonians, right? Ask all those people who thought they could control God. And so, Kairos moment assumes that God is undomesticatable, that God is wild. And so a part of that is, one, recognizing who God is, that God is beyond our control whatsoever. And I know we live in a culture uh, where we think we can control every aspect of our lives. And so one of the things that we're learning is what Kairos moments are that God cannot be controlled. And so what is, what's the other thing that Jesus tells? He says, the time has come. Like God is showing up, right? That's what Jesus is saying. God is showing up. The time has come. Y'all need to be ready. God is here. God, the kingdom of God has arrived. And Jesus said, I'm here, the son of God, right? The word made flesh. I have shown up to bring salvation to the world. And so uh, the time has come. And then he says this, he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. But notice what he says, repent and believe the good news. 
So a part of preparing uh, for a Kairos moment to prepare to, to be participate, to be a part of this God moment, to be able to see and experience God moment is to learn how to repent. That word repent there means not just to feel bad about all the things, the bad things that you've done, but repentance literally means to change our hearts, to change our minds, to be persuaded by something different. It literally means, it's the Greek metonia, it means literally to have a mind that's beyond your present mind. <laughs> Did you catch that? Repentance means to take hold of a mind that's beyond your present mind. What does that mean? That means to have you got to have an imagination that's beyond your present imagination. Jesus is saying, in order for you to participate in this coming kingdom, in order for you to, to understand that the time has come, the moment has come for you to participate in the kingdom of God, Jesus is saying, your mind got to be right. And part of that is taking inventory of our lives. Right? We talk about holiness in our tradition. Right? Uh, uh, what's the distance between what God desires and where I am? Not to feel bad about it, but just to recognize it is what it is. This is where I'm at. When you begin that journey, you're beginning the journey of repentance. Even when you even care about where you are, that's why I always tell folk, prevenient grace, right? When, when God is showing up in our lives, one of the ways that we know that we're coming upon the Kairos moment, when we begin to look at our lives, when we begin to say, and we begin to be concerned about, we begin to care about where I am with God. And you ain't perfect. None of us are perfect. But the thing is, is that when you just care about it, that's the grace of God. Isn't that amazing? When you say to yourself, man, I want to be different. I want my life to be different. That's Kairos. That's God. So you begin to observe your life. You begin to reflect on your life, and you begin to have discussions and conversations with your accountability partner, whoever that might be, your brothers and sisters that you are close with, that y'all hold each other accountable uh, in the faith, and you spend, begin to conversate. You begin to discuss uh, what's going on. You begin to experience repentance. You begin to see change. I don't know about you, but one of the things I've learned is that when you, like for me, I got a band of brothers back home in Salisbury. Dustin's one of my brothers uh, that we hold each other accountable. We know each other's weaknesses. We know uh, our dark moments. We know when we failed, right? And we hold each other accountable. We also celebrate when God shows up and we decided by the grace of God to participate and to surrender to God. And so there's this, there's this dynamic that, that happens when you place yourself in accountability with other people. It begins to open you up to, to experience kairos. In everyday life, repent. And this ain't easy. So if you're a brother or sister, you know, I would tell you to prepare yourself for your Kairos moment. 
the question I want to ask you is who are the brothers and sisters that you can share with, that you can open your life up to? And then the second one, he says, repent. Then he says, believe. Believe. And that word believe there, you know, one of the things that uh, I told you earlier, um, I was once an atheist. And one of the hardest things uh, for me to do was to believe what Christians were telling me. And so what I learned was, uh, after becoming a Christian, I learned that there's no such thing as non-believers. We all believe something. It just might not be the right thing. Right? There's something that holds us captive. There's something that captivates us. Whether you believe that we live in a world where there is no God or you believe that we live in a world where there, God's presence soaks through all things. And so, to believe is more than just I intellectually assent to, like, I just believe some stuff, like, right? One of the things I tell our community, because we got a lot of folk in our community where we're at that are what we call seekers. Like, there are people who are on the edges of Christian faith. Some of them uh, were de-churched. Uh, they, some of them, some, many of them were not necessarily raised in church in a deep way. And so we got folk who come into Christian faith and really learning and drinking from the Christian faith for the very first time, right? And so one of the things I tell folk in our church is like, you know, when, you, when we say believe, when the Bible says believe, it's more than just saying I believe that God exists. Paul says that I may know him and in the power of his resurrection. To believe somebody is to know them. Do y'all believe strangers? Y'all do? Right? Because you don't know a stranger. Right? Right? So trust on the human level is built upon knowing them. Getting to know them on an intimate level. So when Jesus says believe, right, he's saying you got to believe the good news, but meaning that you got to believe and trust that God is up to something, which means you got to trust God, which means you got to know God. So to believe in God assumes that we know who God is. Not only do we know who God is, but I know God. Hmm. One of the most awesome things uh, about this faith that I've learned over the years I got into a debate once recently uh, with a a Muslim brother, and I'm not here to down Islam or anything like that. Uh, But he was saying, you know, we were talking in this conversation about the different visions of God within these different religions. And and we were talking, he said, you know, Anthony, you know, we really, it's really the same. I was like, I don't know, man. Does, Does Allah talk back to you? Like, No. I said, well, in Christianity, within Judaism and Christianity, because, you know, Judaism is our mother, uh, 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 within the Christian faith, the strangest things happen with Christian faith. God talks back. 
I know we all Christians, we take that for granted, but y'all don't realize how crazy that is. You can talk back to God, talk to God, and God will talk back to you. Isn't that crazy? You're like, okay, Pastor, that's that's just that's just that's one on one, Pastor. I know, but when it happens, it's amazing. When God speaks back to you. So to believe is also to believe to understand that God will not only show up and God will not only invite you, God will not God will only not only just give you an opportunity to participate, but God will holler back. God will clap back to us. So you got to believe this good news. Believe this good news. Believe in God. So what does it mean to be in a beauty, the beauty of the moment, a God moment? It means to be a people. And I go back to my earlier question. What's the Kairos moment here? Not only just for you personally, but even as a church, as a community of Christ followers. What is the Kairos moment? What is God what is the moment pregnant for? What is uh, the abundance of God? What is God inviting you to in this moment as a community? What is the Spirit saying in this season that you are in? It may be a personal question for you as well. What season am I in as a follower of Jesus? Where am I? Am I in a low moment? If I'm in a low moment, God, where are you at in my low moment? If I'm in a high moment right now, God, where are you at in this high moment? What are you calling me to in this season, God? Where is the beauty in the moment in which I'm in? Where is the clarity? Where is the integrity that God's calling me to? And Jesus has ancient words for us, and it is so simple. The time has come. One last request. Say to your neighbor, the time has come. Repent and believe the good news. Amen. And so, as we close here, I just want to challenge you as a church, as a community, as brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to challenge you to begin to think about Kairos, God time. Not your time, right? Not your time, God time. What is God up to? What is God up to? What's the repentance that's needed for this hour? What's the kind of believing that God is needing from you in this hour? And we just thank God for his word. We thank God for his people. We thank God for you. And we, most importantly, we thank God for the Holy Spirit. We thank God for the risen Jesus. As Jesus calls us, as, we, as Paul says, as we can repeat after Paul, when Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. God, we just lift up your people today. God, we pray, God, that your Holy Spirit which would be, which would be pronounced in ways unseen before, unseen before, unknown before, God. 
May we have ears to hear, eyes to see what your spirit is doing in our personal lives and in this community, God, in this place. God, as you draw us into the Kairos moment, God, we just lift up our name. We lift up your, your holy name, God. We lift up holy hands. We lift up our hearts and we say, God, you are holy, God. And God, only you can have a vision that's right for us. God, only you, God, have words for our souls, God, that can lead us and guide us. For your word says, oh God, that your word, may your word be a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. Draw us near, God. God, we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.